Since its launch last month, the fundraising website of DPP presidential candidate Lai Qingde has been offering campaign gifts to donors. On Sunday, a new set of gifts, mainly travel accessories made in Taiwan, were introduced. At the launch of Team Taiwan Sisterhood, which caters to his women supporters, Lai not only peddled the new gifts, but also addressed the DPP's mismanagement of gender equality issues, which have been hounding the party in recent weeks. Let's give it a listen. As the chairman of the party, I will act immediately and adopt a zero-tolerance position to solve these matters. I specifically told my colleagues in the party that when encountering these matters, we don't need to emphasize the grand scheme. We hope that we can establish a gender-friendly work environment within the DPP party. Lai promised that he would do his utmost to ensure that every woman in Taiwan will be able to pursue her ideal lifestyle with dignity. When asked if he'll take along the new campaign gifts on his trip to Paraguay in August, he said that it has yet to be decided. Another sinkhole opened up in Taipei City over the weekend, the second one in two months. This time, it happened at the intersection of Nanjing West Road and Guida Street, where a hole one and a half meters long and one meter deep caused the car to have a blowout. A city councillor who arrived on the scene was told by workers that it was the hot weather that caused the road to sag, an explanation she couldn't accept. It was later found that the culprit could have been a broken sewage pipe. First, there was an indentation on the road, then a truck drove over it, and a gaping hole suddenly opened up on the double yellow lines. Another truck saw the hole and swerved, but this ride-sharing vehicle was not so lucky. With a thud, the front left tire had a blowout. A good Samaritan quickly placed a traffic cone in front of it to warn motorists. It was too late by the time I noticed it. When I drove over it, there was just this hole. It was just half a car's length away. Local residents are scared, and they have a good reason to be. Earlier this year, at the same spot, there was a similar incident. Back then, workers dug open the hole to check all the pipes. Nothing was out of place, it seemed. Recently, they had just finished laying the asphalt, and now it happened again. Local councillor Chen Yijun rushed to the scene to get a handle on the situation and communicate with the city government so that it could be dealt with as soon as possible. What we were told by the roadworks unit is not acceptable to me. They said it is because the weather is too hot and the newly paved road sagged. This is outrageous. Roads are being paved everywhere in Taiwan. Do paved roads turn into sinkholes? I was told there had been collapses before and the waterworks department also came and dug it open to inspect it. Basically, it was not a water pipe leak, so it was later backfilled. If there was a leak, we would deal with it from the pipes lining. After the incident, the engineering unit cordoned off the site and began excavation and backfilled with cement. This sinkhole occurred close to midnight on the 8th at the intersection of Nanjing West Road and Guida Street in Taipei City. The crater is about 1.5 meters long and about 1 meter deep. The culprit is suspected to be a sewage pipe 7 meters underground that burst, causing sand and water to sink farther down in the ground. 
It was originally the size of a car, but later they found that the ground was sinking slowly, and later it's as large as two cars. That's how big this sinkhole is. If the camera can see where the lining of the sewage pipe is and where there is water leakage from the sand, then they must hurry up and cover this part with an inner lining to repair it. Two sinkholes have opened up in Taipei City over the past two months. Even though no one was injured this time around, local residents are left with anxiety and sleepless nights. In spite of the sweltering heat of the summer, a marching band from Municipal Kaohsiung Senior High is on a walkathon organized by Zhou Tian Folk Drums Arts Troupe. Altogether, 17 students have been trekking part, which is dubbed an extreme walking tour of Taiwan for the folk deity San Taizi. From July 1st to 28th, participants put on heavy San Taizi costumes as they go around the island on foot. Among them, marching bandman birds Hao Bo En and graduate Xu Bo Neng are taking part in the entire course, a grueling 1,035-kilometer walk. They have to walk at least 50 kilometers every day. Even when they have blisters on the soles of their feet, they still persist and challenge themselves. Let's hear what they have to say. It's really touching because along the way there was the support of all these villagers that made the walking process easier and happier for us. We had to walk 50 kilometres a day. Originally we used to walk 20 to 30 kilometres, but all of a sudden we soared to 50 kilometres. This was an extremely huge difficulty for us to surpass. This is a kind of challenge. It's about refining your willpower. Because later on, in your career or in your studies, you can overcome things. At the beginning, you can be very tired and exhausted, but eventually you get used to it. However, I've injured my feet. When we face a change in our environment or when we step out of our comfort zone, there will be a little bit of an adaption process. But once we can overcome these obstacles, I believe we will be able to achieve even better results. Ever since the Zhou Tian Folk Drums and Arts Troupe successfully took on the challenge of trekking the Sahara Desert in 2011, taking turns to wear 10 kilograms of Santaizi costumes along the way, it has organized an extreme tour of Taiwan devoted to the deity to encourage the nation's young students in the name of charity competitions to actively go outdoors and challenge themselves. Did you know that the puppets of Taiwan's traditional puppet theater sometimes need to go to the hospital? One of Taiwan's Budaishi puppet makers provides a restoration service in Jiayi that's become known as the Puppet Hospital. San Mei Tang Creative Puppet Troupe exhibits many puppets at Jiayi Performing Arts Center. It is also where Wang Wenzhi welcomes patients to the clinic. He was happy to show us around in this unique cultural institution. The puppet's hair is knotted and its lavish clothing stained. Wang Wenzhi takes it apart while gently explaining the diagnosis to its owner. 
，那其实红白变成灰的。This Taichung Budaishi puppet enthusiast has brought along another patient. She likes to take her puppet out for photo shoots and is dismayed that it has grazed its nose on the ground, scratching some paint off. Luckily, she's chosen a good doctor. Before long, the puppet's back to his normal degree of refinement. After the restoration, you can't see any scars at all. The face is exactly as before. I'm extremely satisfied with how beautifully he's repaired it for me. It seems like when I can restore a puppet well, it makes them happy, and I feel happy too because I'm also someone who loves puppets. Wang grew up in the Budaishi troupe family. He's been playing with these puppets since he was a child. The talented puppet designer makes clothes, headdresses, and accessories. When patients come in with minor injuries, he does everything he can to nurse them back to good health, only charging at cost. So far, he has restored almost 2,000 puppets. The most expensive ones are perhaps 3,000 NT or more. I might have to repair the entire puppet, and it kind of becomes a puppet hospital. It's very unexpected for me too. Many of Wang's exquisite Budaishi puppets are exhibited here at Jiayi Performing Arts Center. The Samadhi Tung Creative Puppet Troupe allows other fans to enjoy these cherished puppets. Meanwhile, the puppet hospital is a place where Wang can use his special skills to nurse sick puppets back to life. Cell phones are now ubiquitous, and many children even have phones of their own. But how much screen time is too much? The Taipei City Government is hosting a series of parent-child events that it hopes will encourage children to put their phones away and enjoy some quality time with their parents. Instead of staring at their phones, kids can build crafts with their parents, having fun while learning at the same time. Let's hear from some of those who have already taken part. Parents and their children make acrylic nightlights together. This is a family event held by the Taipei City Government to encourage children to put down their cell phones and get out to do something together as a family. Of course, it's great. It's very meaningful. It gives kids a chance to do something other than stare at their phones on their days off from school. They can get outside and move their bodies and do something meaningful, something with educational value. They can learn new things, and parents can put their minds at ease. I'm happy. It's fun, and I can learn something. A professional instructor is on hand, guiding roughly 20 families through the craft activity. To come up with interesting craft ideas, Taipei's education department teamed up with the city's cultural and social affairs departments. Together, they are holding 395 free parent-child activities from July to September. The cultural affairs department has lots of art activities that they promote. There's also the Department of Information and Tourism, which runs the Discovery Center of Taipei, and the Department of Social welfare has a parent-child center. Together, these departments offer lots of parent-child activities, so families can build better relationships together. Cell phones are a great tool if used properly and in moderation. The Taipei City government hopes that through offering more interactive events for families, children and parents alike can learn to set their phones aside and enjoy some quality time together. A Latin dance studio in Taipei is offering classes in salsa, bachata, Brazilian zouk, and yoga. The founders of the studio are a Polish dancer, Maggie Ziba, and Taiwanese dancer Sun Yiwen. They opened the studio to introduce Latin culture to a Taiwanese audience and also to provide a place for people to find community and relieve their stress. 
FTV reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to the two co-founders to find out more. Maggie and Yiwen take to the stage with a salsa performance. The duo spins, shifting their foot side to side and stepping in harmony with the fast-paced music. The two hold salsa classes, but are also working hard to introduce Brazilian Zouk to Taiwan. Brazilian Zouk is a partner dance that first began in Brazil during the early 1990s. Maggie and Iwen are the pioneers of this dance style in Taiwan and organize workshops to let more people know about the style. We also have another genre of, of, of dance, which is Brazilian Zouk uh, and Bachata. So Brazilian Zouk is very new in Taiwan and we are one of the pioneers of this dance because it's literally just started three years just before the pandemic and we were the ones that brought the first like big teachers to Taiwan and organized workshops to let people know what it is. It's a really beautiful dance that I'm really passionate about. My goal is just to let normal people who are interested in salsa, interested in dance and learn how to dance and enjoy and have fun. One of the co-founders and teachers of the studio is Maggie. Born in Poland and raised in Toronto, Canada, she began dancing salsa at a young age as most of her friends were from Latin America, and she loved the culture. After graduating from university, she traveled to Brazil to learn other Latin dances. Later, she traveled around the world and made a stop in Taiwan. She quickly fell in love with Taiwan and has been living and working here for 17 years. She opened this studio 10 years ago to train people who are interested in learning Latin dance. She said that Taiwan is a land of opportunities. Once I came to Taiwan, that was 17 years ago. I've been here for 17 years. Um, there was not much salsa here at the time. It was almost none. Like I went to a salsa club and there, people were not really dancing salsa. They were dancing like Ricky Martin style, Shakira, kind of club dancing. I started going to New York to train. New York is the mecca of salsa, uh, the style we teach salsa on too. So I would go there every year for two, three months and train a lot as much and check how they run their syllabus because the New York teams are some of the best in the world. So I wanted to see how do they produce such amazing dancers, because in Taiwan, we at the time, we didn't have that. And then slowly, I developed my own syllabus, um, merging like the styles I saw, teaching styles. And eventually, um, yeah, I opened the studio. The other co-founder, Iwen, grew up in Belize and attended university in Arizona. During university, he became interested in salsa and started to learn how to dance. I went to Arizona, Arizona State, and then there's a lot of uh, Latinos, Latinas, and they have a lot of salsa dancing. So uh, one time my friend brought me to a salsa club and I just saw, wow, there's so many people, they all dance really happily. And there's this particular, there's this one older gentleman, he's amazing dancer. He could dance all night and he's still got the move. He's like, I, I think he's like 70 in his 70s or 80s, but I was like really inspiring for me. The studio offers its classes in both English and Mandarin. Aside from group lessons, there are also private dance classes throughout the week. The pair welcome people from all backgrounds and levels to join. 
about 10 years ago, I opened this studio. I initially, um, I wanted a place that people can feel like a home for them because when I was teaching at different studios, people were like scattered. So, but Salsa is about community. It's a really about sense of community as a family. And I wanted to create that kind of feeling and also for the Taiwanese people to to be involved not just in the dancing, but the culture. The studio hopes to build a tight-knit community for people to build friendships, learn dance, and relieve stress. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Li Han in Taipei. The Instagram era has brought countless cafes that focus strongly on the looks of their offerings as hunger for life aesthetics continues unabated. Consumers expect treats to be as easy on the eye as they are on the stomach. Today we visit two Hualien cafes that are popular with the aesthetic crowd. One offers toast painted with natural ingredients to resemble the local landscape. Another relies on its cutely decorated croffle, a cross between a croissant and a waffle. The chef paints different colored ingredients on toast with a putty knife. Before long, a romantic scene of sunrise over the sea emerges, a product of cafe owner Lu Zirong's imagination and innovation. I never imagined you could paint on toast and then afterwards eat it. It's very special. Lou says that painting a single piece takes 10 to 15 minutes, but the slow and painstaking work pays off and practice makes perfect. Lou can even paint Hualien beauty spots from memory. I wanted to combine food and art so people realize that art exists in the midst of daily life. Alongside her edible art, Lou also makes drinks of butterfly pea flower jelly and sparkling water. The glass sparkles like a cool blue sea. Little eyes are pressed onto the snowman to bring him to life. Equally delightful is the special at another cafe, the croffle or croissant waffle. There was no one else in Hualien making croffles. We tried them and thought they were great, so we thought our customers should also be able to have them. They're always surprised like, Wow, it's so beautiful, so cute. This cafe sits inside a converted military pillbox. It's become an Instagram haunt for its beautiful surroundings and beautiful eats. The trend for life aesthetics offers consumers a feast for the eyes and a treat for the senses. It was still a scorcher out there today with Uli in Hualien recording 38.3 degrees. High temperature alerts were issued in 12 counties and cities. However, with the weakening of the Pacific high pressure system, temperatures will dip slightly starting tomorrow. On Tuesday, moisture will begin to move in, raising the chances of afternoon thunder showers. Let's hear from the Central Weather Bureau. Tomorrow, the Pacific high pressure will begin to weaken, so the high temperatures will drop slightly. However, in the mountains around the greater Taipei area and in the central and southern regions, the plains and the Hualien Taidong Rift Valley, you can still see a high temperature of 36 degrees. The temperatures in other areas will drop a little. Starting tomorrow night, the wind will turn from the southeast. After tomorrow night, the Hangchun Peninsula and the southeastern region will also see some brief scattered showers. On the 11th and the 12th, which is Tuesday and Wednesday, 
the moisture will increase even more. So the area of afternoon thunderstorms will gradually move from the mountains to the western plains, and the areas of rain in the western plains will be greater than tomorrow's, especially from the early morning and into the morning of the 11th. There may also be some brief scattered showers along the central and southern coast. Meanwhile, nine earthquakes occurred in the early morning Sunday off the coast of Taidong, the largest of which was located in Lanyu Township with a magnitude of 5.3 and it measured 4 on Taiwan's seven-tier intensity scale. The CWB said the frequency of earthquakes in this particular area had not been high in the past, but this time the quakes came one after another. People should brace for aftershocks of a magnitude of four or above in the coming week before they taper off.